our hope in life and our comfort in death is Jesus. And when we're looking around and the world's falling apart, uh, yeah. you can see that more clearly, um, that how broken humanity really is and how, how we must place our hope in him because we can't place our hope in the things of this world. Mm. And it's not that he just suddenly becomes yeah. my hope and stay. It's that he always was. And sometimes it requires the things that we've filled our lives with, the faulty foundations that we've built our lives upon. Yeah. For those things to give way, for us to see that all we truly need in this life and in the life beyond is Jesus. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. If you've been enjoying the podcast, would you take a minute to log on to your favorite podcast platform, rate us, and leave us a review? We would love to feature you on our next episode. A new year is here, and although close to half of us make New Year's resolutions, studies say only about 10% of us follow through. It's safe to say that life doesn't always go according to plan, even the best laid plans. The Lord tells us in Proverbs 16.9, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. There's nothing wrong with planning, but we must remember that the Lord directs our paths. Thankfully, his thoughts and ways are higher and better than ours. Today I welcome the singer, songwriter, music leader, speaker, author, and Bible teacher, Laura Story. Her songs have won Billboard Music Awards, Dove Awards and Grammys. Laura has a master's degree in theological studies and a doctorate in worship studies, and has served as the music leader at Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia. She has a new book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. The COVID pandemic inspired Laura to open up and write this new book on how we can say goodbye to normal and step into the new story God is writing for us. Together we unpack the truth of the gospel, that Christ is faithful to guide us on paths that are anything but normal. Now, on to our Candid Conversation. Well, today my guest on Candid Conversations is singer, songwriter, and author, Laura Story. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Candid Conversations. Oh, it is my treat. Part of it, I was so intrigued by the name. Yes. Candid Conversations. I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive yes. about how candid you might get. In we strike fear into the hearts of all of our guests. <laughs> I love it. I just did an interview recently with uh, Mac Powell, and we we had a fantastic time. Uh, he played some Christmas music for us. And uh, he and I had some good banter back and forth. I told him about when I was in middle school, the uh, band director asked me to not play the saxophone during our <laughs> band recital. He enjoyed that greatly, maybe a little bit too much. But anyway, so I love having musicians on. But you're you're more than that. You're obviously um, a wife and a mother, and you're also an author. And we're going to talk a little bit about your book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. I even have questions about that title. But before we get to that, I have a couple of music-type questions for you All right. uh, as we enter into the candid sphere. 
Okay, so in songwriting, how much of your songwriting is comes f- like out of experience? How much is it from you know sort of finding that fine line between scriptural input, what you know is true, and then your own experience? Is it a blend of the two things? How do you kind of decipher that? Because you are probably one of the better songwriters out there, I would say. Oh, you are too kind. I'm not entirely sure I would agree with you on that. But I think a lot of songwriters approach songwriting just from a a deep love of music or a love of art. And for me, yes, maybe a little bit. But more than that, I feel like I'm a communicator. And so whether I'm writing, I feel like I'm kind of doing the same thing, whether I'm writing a book or writing a song. And for me... Songwriting came started when I was in college, and mm. it was kind of an, more of an extension of journaling. Right. And songwriting has always been how I have sought to kind of reconcile the truths and the promises of God with what I'm walking through yes. in my life. Yeah. I feel like I kind of write about the same thing every time. (laughs) Reconciling is a good word, though. It's a it's a good biblical word. Our experience as believers, right? We take that's exactly the truths of Scripture, and we see how do they either feed in or what we are experiencing, feeling, going through emotions, realities, whatever it is. How does that reconcile with what Scripture says to us? Yeah, and understanding because here is the thing: is that I think. They talk about like what's essentially the foundation that you're building on. Is it your experience is the the guide that directs everything else? So my experience actually is contradictory to scripture. Therefore, my experience triumphs over that. Um, Or is it, okay, I understand scripture is a divine inspired by the Holy Spirit written text that is speaking to me. It is the authority. How do I then submit my life get my yeah right yeah how do i have yeah. my life submit to this authority yeah and and allow the truth to speak to it and everything you're saying right now such unpopular statements in this day and age <laughs> every single word in that <laughs> every sentence every single word in that sentence uh, yet yeah, this idea of like right these days nothing trumps experience oh. i've experienced then it must be you know yeah. gospel but but really faith in and of itself Holly, it's it's believing something when we can't see it. Yes. And so we have to be comfortable with there are going to be things that we don't see, that we don't understand. And yeah. honestly, if I could understand every little piece of my story and how yeah. and the things that God's allowing in my life, yeah. if I completely understood everything about God, this side of heaven, I'm not entirely sure I would want to worship him. Because it really would take away that wonder and that kind of mm. otherness of mm. who we believe God to be as this, um, yes, very, very intimate person um, with that, with his children, but still very transcendent. Yeah. Still not, uh, you know, th- there's this, mis- you know, the, the biblical writers often talk about the mystery of our faith and or the mystery of, of who God is and, and wanting to still allow there to be that mystery and mm. rather than me demanding that everything about my faith is reconciled with my experience. Well, and even, you know, Job comes with questions, right? Yeah. And God doesn't even answer him. He just starts <laughs> revealing a little bit about who he is and, and then interrogates him and he's like, okay, 
Yep. I get it, God. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) You've said more than enough. Okay. One last thing before, because we're starting to make a good transition actually towards the book, but I always have this question. So you are associate worship leader at Perimeter Church in Atlanta, a PCA church. What are the differences between music in a church setting and then like production music or on tour? Are those all, do they all feel the same or is there a difference between each of those elements? That's a great question. I think, you know, when you're going to a concert, you're going to on some level be, whether it's entertained by a performer or maybe encouraged by a performer and and none of that is wrong because of that's the context that you're entering into. Right. Sure. On the other hand, when you're entering into a church service, uh, you know, God is, <laughs> there's only room for one celebrity. Yes. I was joking, <laughs> joking with my, with my son, they were getting dressed for church and like, I have a, so I have a nine, seven, seven, and three. And it was one of my seven-year-olds. <laughs> he was like, hey, is this okay? And first of all, it was like a pair of umbros and a t-shirt and it said I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> and it, I said, yeah, that outfit is wrong on so many different levels. Yeah. I mean, it didn't match. You know, anyway. Yeah. But all that even to on say, a Monday, that's the wrong thing. Right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and so I got to explain to him, you know, when we go into church, there's only one big deal and that's the Lord. And so making sure like so when a this is probably more detailed than you were looking for. But in a concert setting, I want to hear the artist sing the song in the key that they sound best in. Yep. In a worship service, I want them to key the song that you can um, sing in where the most people can participate. Yes. Oh, absolutely. In a concert setting, I love hearing about their experiences and their emotions and all of that. In a worship setting, that's obviously helpful on some level, but for the most part, we need to be elevating the truth of God because in a lot of ways, it's our job to not just present how we feel about God and what we think about God, but it's actually, we should be singing the very truths of God that are coming from God, not just our response to God. Yeah. Okay. Transitioning to your book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. I have a lot of questions just in the title here. Okay. You don't like it, do you? No, I love it. I, I Okay. So in going back and doing some studies on all of this, so you're saying goodbye to normal, and I want you to set up where the impetus of the book was. Yeah. But the timing of it, I mean, I don't know if, if that was an intentional thing. Yes. So the book was published in July of 21, and I mean, we have to admit, everyone was saying goodbye to normal. Yes. Through COVID. And that that's not like unique to a region. I mean, this is glo- every single person listening to this yes. said goodbye to normal. But that wasn't your impetus for writing it. What set this off? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was planning, well, first of all, the, my main job, I'm on staff at a church. And so right. that's kind of the thing that I spend most of my time, my work time doing is just serving there. But Maybe a month into, you know, those very beginning pandemic days, the publishing company that I've done my last two books with called and said, we want someone to write about this. And the reason why I came to mind is because of how abnormal I am. 
And I, <laughs> before <laughs> taking offense to that, I, I knew exactly what they meant. Yeah. Because, so part of my story, um, I've been married to Martin for about 18 years. And within the first two years of our marriage, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Mm. So the majority of our marriage has been with him, you know, with the effects of a brain injury. So if yeah. he has a vision deficit and a memory deficit and all of our parenting together of these four children has all been in the context of him having a brain injury. So we thrive and we limp and I'm learning that you can thrive and limp all at the same time, but definitely nothing of our story has been normal. Even uh, we're always trying to figure out, you know, what works for us because we can't just kind of do what everyone else is doing because of Martin's disability, because of how Martin's disability has affected my need to work full time. So like just things just look different for us. So all of that to say, when they called and asked if I'd be interested in writing a book on this topic, I was immediately interested because in the same way that, you know, as, as this happened to all of us, yes, we were all trying to kind of make sense of it. Yeah. And I want to say pretty early on, I feel like God gave me just a little bit of clarity in mm. the midst of the COVID fog. I'll explain what I mean. Yeah. It wasn't that I, oh, I understand all of this. And now I'm not anxious at all. <laughs> yeah. But it was more uh, as I began to kind of see that our world was experiencing such a dramatic change, I began to look to scripture. And, and one of the things that I saw in scripture is, yeah, this is not the first time that, and I'm, I'll use the the wording that God has allowed, you know, if we believe God is sovereign, he's sovereign. Sure. He's, yes. Certainly right. he's not the author of evil, but scripture teaches that he allows things for our good and for his greater purposes. So I began to see in the scriptures, it's not just that God allows hard things to happen, but I began to read story after story of God calling his people away from that that's familiar and that that's mm. comfortable mm. for the purpose of something extraordinary for the purpose of doing something as Paul's words say, exceedingly um, beyond what we can think or ask. Yes. And so I feel like right off the bat, God began to kind of change the way that I was seeing this departure of normal. And it began to be kind of a challenge for me and, and something that I began to talk to other friends about and it was helpful for them. And so eventually ending up in a book. And that doesn't mean that I wasn't, you know, just as anxious sure. and scared with all of it as, as everyone else was, but it did give me a little bit of a framework to begin to think through change better than, it, yeah. than maybe I had in the past. So in your book, you talk about why we long for normalcy and how that affects mm -hmm. us. What are some of the lines that, that you're drawing from that? One of the, the things that we see, you know, from the beginning to the end of scripture, you know, the whole book starts with Genesis with these two people in a garden who have every bit of security and stability they could ever need. And obviously after the fall, that all changes. And what we live in right now is you know, obviously the, the, the lack of, of stability, the result yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. But we're also promised that there will be a day in the future where Jesus will return and the new heavens and the, the new earth and every tear will be wiped away. And we yeah. will, 
we will experience that stability and even just a deep soul validation that we are longing for this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so you look at kind of whether it's the beginning or the end, it's like, okay, that's great, Laura, but what does that mean for right now? Well, I'd say for right now, that hope and security and stability that we need, that God has given us the person of Jesus, that God has given us Jesus that even when the world around us is unstable, that we have Jesus within us. And I hope that doesn't sound too Sunday schoolish, but the truth is, is that is our, um, I think it's the Westminster Catechism that, that says, you know, what is our hope in life and death? You know, mm-hmm. it's our, our greatest, our hope in life and our comfort in death is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking around and the world's falling apart, uh, yeah. you can see that more clearly um, that how broken humanity really is. And how how we must place our hope in him because we can't place our hope in the things of this world. Yeah, I think that's the Heidelberg Catechism, but you're right on. See, One I of knew those. I was, I got the, <laughs> yeah, man, you are good. It is the Heidelberg Catechism. Yeah, question gotta, one. I got to brush uh, up on my catechism. You got you, you to get back into those. Um, <laughs> okay, I love this. You talk about why big faith is not the solution. Amen. Can you explain that? You know, there are some circles in Christian culture where it's like, like, oh, if you could just believe more, if you just had bigger faith, which it, first of all, it leaves us just feeling exhausted. Oh, right. what's wrong with me? I wish I had bigger faith. My life would it's be better. Works, if I had bigger. Right? Yeah. And it, it's workspace, but it's also completely unbiblical. It's not yeah. what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach, uh, you know, Jesus says having the faith the size of a mustard seed. So it's not having big faith. It's having tiny faith in a big God. Mm. That's what's going to sustain us. Yes. Well, it's interesting, you know, the Genesis illustration you gave, because, I mean, really, all of humanity since then has been trying to get back into the garden. Yes. Right? So they're trying to find some sort of security, safety, comfort in something that will bring relief for the, you know, working by the sweat of our brow, the pain of childbearing, the, uh-huh. the, the broken relationships that take place. And everyone's finding something and trying to hitch their wagon to it. Uh-huh. And yet we have Christ, who is the answer from the very God who instituted the curse that gave yeah. the, placed the curse on man uh, because of his uh, choosing not him. And, and I think that's... Um, well, and even we as believers are so guilty. Like we know that the stability of the garden will be seen again in yeah. eternity and that Christ is the only thing stable between now and then. But so often we're putting so much pressure on external things, whether that's yeah. other people to be our stability, whether that's a right. job to be our stability, or even our fulfillment. You know, oh, my marriage isn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. This new job, it's not fulfilling and I need to get another one. And yes, there are things in this life that can give yeah. us you know, fulfillment and validation. But ultimately, when we seek to find that in Christ, as the Bible teaches, it's like you can let everyone else off the hook. Your spouse doesn't have to be perfect. Your kids don't have to make the perfect grades because you're not trying to live vicariously through their accomplishments. Right. You right. can just let them be kids. You can just let them be the flawed human beings that every single one of us are. Yeah. And yeah, so just living that out, that's where you begin to gain more peace. 
that's where you begin to see kind of the anxiety level going down because your expectations for everything and everyone aren't quite as high. Yeah, there's sort of a resting in that, right? Because mm-hmm. that really goes back to the works. You know, I need to do this to have that to fit in with this group or idea of what I'm supposed to be. And I think you're right. Once you kind of are able to give those things up, because, you know, here's the thing. It's, I mean, if you think about, especially as you're thinking about children, like what's more important that they be extremely successful or that they know Christ? Yes. Well, and even as, (laughs) and I'm not saying don't like, don't fail them on, uh, you know, education and all those things. Those are, those are important because they build a child up in character and different things like that, of course. But at the same time, it's passing on a biblical heritage, a biblical faith, a Christian heritage to them that's actually really going to set them up for success oh, in the and future. That, man, and I'd say one of the clearest pictures of that, like as parents, you know, kind of that whole idea of letting people off the hook, we need to let ourselves off the hook. Mm. My child doesn't need to see me as being like self-sufficient. My child needs to see me as dependent. Yeah. That's what points them to Jesus. Yeah. So when I blow it, the best thing I can do, rather than trying to cover it up, rather than, than feeling like a failure, is using that opportunity to tell my child, yeah, I'm not like a theoretical sinner. I'm a real sinner that is in need of the grace of Jesus. And truly, that is the best thing you can do for your child because they don't, if you're trying so hard to be that perfect mom, what you're saying to them is, I am perfect and you need to be as well, rather than I am dependent on God and he desires for you to be as well. Right. And children are going to emulate what's been modeled for them, right? Mm. So what could be better than that? I mean, like you said, it's sort of the, that's the message from cover to cover of the scriptures. Yes. There's one who has accomplished or will accomplish these things. Oh, yeah. Now be willing to admit your humility and and your failures and fall on him, right? That is so true because every single hero of the faith, we might say, uh, they're terrible heroes. (laughs) Yeah. They're like drunks and lunatics. It's It's not, you know, if if the Bible was about moralism, it's a terrible book. It's a terrible read. (laughs) (laughs) Then God totally missed the mark on that. (laughs) You know. Yeah, that's right. It's so brutally honest. And even the in the sinfulness, I mean, the, the, the depictions are just, can be graphic at times. And you just think, Ooh, he's not a hero. <laughs> yeah, man. The, the, I was reading just the other day with Abraham. And I was like, really? You're still going to stick with him? Like the, 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 the <laughs> Yeah, there wasn't someone better out there. <laughs> the story where you know, he, he tells him, hey, you're going to do this. And then he's like, oh, I can make this happen. This whole uh, Sarah and Hagar thing, I can make this happen on my own. Yeah. Total blows up in his faith as as all of us knew that it would. Yes. And God still has this moment of taking him out, pointing him to that multitude of stars and saying, yeah, you were faithless. Yeah. I am faithful. Yeah. And it's this beautiful picture of hope for us. Mm. God's great works aren't dependent on our great works. His great works are things that he will do uh, through us because of his faithfulness, not our own. Amen to that. You talk about what it means to live a tethered life. 
Can you? Um, yeah, man, and it's, ex- it's exactly everything we were talking about. Yeah. It's this, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if it's just American culture where we just feel like we need to come across as self-sufficient, independent people. That's just kind of the American way. Oh, absolutely. But it's not the biblical way. It's not it's the not. biblical model. You know, yeah. as, as we've discussed yeah. how we're all kind of a mess. Uh, but then you have the gospel and the gospel isn't just this thing that we needed in order to get into heaven, but it, it's kind of how we as the believer are called to live every single day with our lives truly tethered to him. And one of the illustrations I used uh, throughout the the book, which it started off, I just used it once. And then the publisher said, oh, that's that's the best thing you have in there. I'm like, okay. Let's let's go with that then. Uh, but it's this picture of when I first came on staff at Perimeter Church, they made us do this staff. What was it called? Like staff team building day. Yeah, retreat so, or something. Yeah. Yes. So we we did it on this ropes course, and they made me do the zip line. And I am not a heights person. I love. I love the ground and I really <laughs> I love the ground. I love it. And I, I love really the res- earth that the Lord made. Yes, and I respect gravity. I just really believe in that strongly. Um, but I remember getting kind of to the top. They they make you climb up this cargo net and you just feel like you're going to die. And then you get to the top and your body's shaking both with fear and the fact that you just climbed a cargo net. And it's like, man, would it have killed me to have done a couple push-ups in the past 10 years? Anyway, but I get to the top of this and I am basically clipped to this big long wire that goes however long and I'm held to it by this basically this string I am tethered to this zip line and this guy uh you know is then nicely encouraging me to step off the platform and it's funny because all I have is that string <laughs> that tether but once you step off that platform, you realize that that really is all that I need. Yeah. And so as we as believers are kind of stepping into unknown, and we always have been, we've always been stepping into unknown. It's never like we've known our future. Uh, but these days it seems more unknown than ever. But the concept is still the same. The biblical truth is still the same. The hymn writer, I'm always going back to the old hymns, uh, mm. On In Christ's Solid Rock I Stand, there's a verse that says, when all around my soul gives way, he mm. then is all my hope and stay. Mm. And it's not that he just suddenly becomes yeah. my hope and stay. It's that he always was. And sometimes it requires the things that we've filled our lives with, the faulty foundations that we've built our lives upon, yeah. for those things to give way for us to see that all we truly need in this life and in the life beyond is Jesus. Yeah. We forget that. And yet that's discipline. That's discipleship. And that's the Lord's gracious gift when he allows those things to come to their ends, be destroyed, whatever it is. And then you realize, gosh, that thing was a cheap imitation of of what I really needed. Oh, that's so true. That's so true. But our hearts are a perpetual idol factory, as Calvin says, and we keep turning back to those things and we need the Lord's grace to cover us more and more. Just one final thing. 
how to find true community because that's a, an aspect in your book. And I, I think that that ties in actually quite neatly with, with everything we've talked about. What do you say about that? Hmm, that is that is a great, oh my gracious, I could talk for like a whole another hour about community, partly because- Great, you don't have anything to do. Well, okay, come yeah, on. no big deal. Uh, <laughs> partly because that's been a huge part of our story. Uh, you know, when you have disability that, that affects your marriage and family, uh, you need community on a very tangible level, but you almost feel- more disqualified than anyone else for community because you don't really fit in anywhere. Mm. (laughs) And so this has been a fight for us to find deep community. And I think uh, just to be very honest, the first few years I kind of took this, Oh, I'm, we're good. I'm good. We're good approach. And uh, so five, probably for the first four or five years out of Martin's surgery, um, and it wasn't that I w- was intentionally being dishonest with people. I just didn't, I didn't want to burden people. Yeah. I, I didn't know, I just didn't even know where to begin. Yeah. I just knew that we didn't fit in anywhere. Mm. And so it's been the past probably 10 years now of us trying to figure out what does this really look like? And also just acknowledging that God designed us for community what we were talking about a few minutes ago, we're not supposed to be the self-sufficient independent being. Right. We are created to need God, but we're also created to need others. Mm. So I think also with community, it's going to look different for different people. And right before you and I jumped on this call, I had uh, probably my two closest girlfriends come to my house and we get together for coffee every other week for about an hour and a half, Wednesday mornings. And we talk about, uh, like this morning, we talked about, okay, what do I need to surrender and what do I need to trust? Mm. And we've said to each other, hey, if we're not going to be honest with each other, this is a waste of our time. Exactly. I don't need another Bible study where I'm just going to yeah. go around everyone and say I'm fine. Like, yeah. w- and so this has been a, a, a level of community for me that I, that I have not experienced. This has probably been this with these girls has probably been going on for about a year. Cause it really took that pandemic to show me, hmm. well, okay, this is, this is kind of deep. So I'm a performer, you know, that's kind of part of my job, sure. but I think that through the pandemic, God showed me the depth, uh, <laughs> how deep, how deeply I am a performer. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're into the Enneagram stuff, but I'm a number three. And apparently they say, apparently they say that we um, feel validation based on what we do, based on how we perform. Uh, And so COVID was this. Mm, Because that was taken away from you. Everything was taken away from the validation, the applause, literally getting up on a stage and getting those applause. I had done that for 20 years and it was the first time. It's not just that I wasn't on the stage getting the applause. I was cooking dinner for my kids and they were rolling their eyes at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and throwing it back like, at you. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, what? Well, where, where are my applause? That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but golly, it was such a great season of looking at myself in the mirror. Mm. And uh, first of all, seeing that, 
I need to believe the gospel hmm. about who God says that I am in Christ. But I also, I need some true relationships in my life hmm. that are speaking the gospel to me in the sense that they truly know the depth of the ugliness of my heart hmm. and that they love me. And so over the past year and a half, I have been working to cultivate two or three of those relationships in my life. And I'll mm. tell you, it's a level of community that I've never yeah. experienced before. And it's been so life-giving. Wow. And I'll tell you, I don't have very many friends and I don't want very many friends. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't have this high uh, level of relational capacity. Yes. And that's something I've had to be honest like so we're not my husband and I we don't hang out with like 8 to 10 other couples we hang out with like 2 to 3 other couples yeah and and but that's there's more what's depth in us. that than oh absolutely a bigger group you're less likely to have the deep meaningful relationship some some people can do it but i think by and large you need that core group of people that you can, it's the who can you call at 3 a.m. kind of thing yeah and for me it's helpful to have people that I don't have to be on for. I don't have to be performing for them. Right. I can walk in and say, oh, I'm exhausted. I just want to sit and kick my feet up and just yeah. talk about life. Yeah. And hey, let me complain to you for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I don't have to be like the counselor, the minister in every setting. Right. Uh, I can just be ministered to. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, words we all need to hear and remember. And I hope that that serves as an impetus for people listening, that they would take stock in that. And maybe while they're at it, they'll go and purchase So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. We'll have a link for that book in the show notes. We asked some of our guests a final question. I'm considering changing it up and doing something different, but... Um, you arrive uh, before the throne of God, and you can ask any question. What's the first question you ask? Oh, my gracious. That is such a huge question. Of course. Um, why all the bugs? Like, why? <laughs> like, really? What's so up with many. the mosquitoes in this so place? So many. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Like we'll go hiking or, or we'll, I'll go, I love to fish. I'll go fishing. And it's like, you have, God, you have such glorious creation and then you fill it with mosquitoes. Really? Don't the fish like, eat the bugs though? Well, if you're fly fishing after they've bitten me like 50 <laughs> times, <laughs> after they're filled with your blood. <laughs> so yeah. Why all the bugs? That's what I'm going to go with. Okay. Solid. Wait, was I supposed to say something more spiritual? Yeah, but that's okay. And explain the uh, – I can't even think of something. Please explain right the Trinity. <laughs> explain the Trinity. This whole apple analogy is not working for me. What will be the first question? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Laura Story, singer, songwriter, author, new book, So Long Normal, Living and Loving the Free Fall of Faith. Laura, thanks for taking time out. And what a uh, treat. we've gone a little bit over the time you allotted us. So I'm very grateful. Yeah, that's grateful. all on me, though. It's my uh -huh. uh, lack of being able to answer something concisely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Have a great one. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. 
and we will send you a free copy of my dad's latest book, Hope for This Present Crisis. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.